And so if we're really committed to strength, if we're really committed to our marriage and growing our marriage, that means that I'm going to need to walk into some conversations and enter them vulnerably with danger that may lead to the reflection being, I have found the enemy and it is me. It's not her, it's me and I need to change. And very often that's the case. And, and in fact, I would say I want to change and I want her to want to change because we're going to grow and growth requires change. Welcome to the Leveraging Success Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Gearhart. Every time that we're together, I want to help you work less, make more, and through the freedom that you gain and the margin that you start to store up, you're going to be able to use that to be an incredible husband, wife, parent, and most importantly, an incredible kingdom leader living the mission that God put you on. I'm here today with Rob Dayton. Rob, it's great to be with you. It's here on a Monday Man, I'm excited about the week. How are you doing? Great to see you, Jeff. Doing great. Yeah, I was just telling you before we got the recording started that we are having fantastic weather in January. And here where I live in Dallas, it's schizophrenic. <laughs> we can go from <laughs> these moments where we're having these California days to it seems like we're in New York City. And that weather pattern changes quite a bit, but uh, right now it's amazing and super great. Sun shines out. So lots of, I don't know about you, but I just have that feeling when the sun is out, I can take almost any temperature so long as the sun is hitting me. <laughs> it's true. It's, what, what is it about a, a beautiful sun, sun-filled sky that gets us a little bit more optimistic about our day? Yeah, yeah. Well, today what I wanted to talk about was to enter into the danger and talk about what does it mean for us to fight fair in our marriage? What does it mean to have crucial conversations with our marriage partner and protect them, fight fair, but not just fight fair, actually work towards a solution together and be able to uncover uncover the issues that are there. Rob, I think that for the people that we get to be around their marriage partnership is either going to be a boat anchor to the thing that God made them for or an accelerant. You know, without working on our marriages, they can turn into a boat anchor really fast. Well, and yeah, I think the other thing too is that a lot of people think about marriage as the thing that is already baked into the cake, does not need energy or investment. In other words, I got all these things going on in my life. I got work. I'm on the hamster wheel of life. I got all these things. And my marriage is just, you know, it's there. I, that thing I don't need to invest in. I need to kill it at work. I need to figure out how to get ahead. I need to figure out how to be successful. And I think why this conversation is so helpful to people who might be listening is actually, and this is what you're saying, is the marriage requires the most investment because that's the thing that's going to accelerate us in every other area. Yeah, that's right. Our marriage relationship, it has a multiplying or a taxing effect. And a lot of that's built around the health of our marriage. And so we want to put things in health, but the tax always comes from the things that we don't talk about, the things that are in the background that are the gotchas. We didn't talk about it. I was hurt. We had a misunderstanding. There was a problem that was back there. And of course, you know, it's our flesh or the enemy that are that are using all of that content to jab and jab and push and push and poke and poke. 
And that creates reflexes. It creates in that library back in our subconscious a certain set of understandings that we just we just believe are true because we've accepted them and we never took the time to actually dig those out. But the reason we didn't dig them out was because we thought, well, it's better to ignore it or I can't enter into this conversation in safety or I lack I lack the tools to take those things on. Rob, you know, what we we talk about often in this sort of work is that there are things that can actually be tracked. And uh, well, tell us about the four horsemen and these dangers that we've got that if we don't track them, they could easily put a bullet in our marriage. Yeah, these come from John Gottman. And he's interestingly, he did a love lab in Seattle where he actually monitored couples, gave them a free weekend and a really sweet pad. And Interestingly enough, he can predict that couple getting whether they're going to get a divorce or not within 15 minutes of interaction, which is pretty insane. Yeah, the four horsemen, criticism, contempt, defensiveness, stonewalling. They might be things that are going on in your relationship. Kind of what you're talking about, Jeff, that they're in the background and we don't, you know, because we're not addressing them, they're there. And criticism is just this, the story you're telling yourself is that that this person is not something's not right with this person or something's not going you're not quite all in favor of this person so you tend to criticize them or you have contempt for them because they're in, in the midst of a conversation you're looking for see there it is again there it is that's that thing i don't like and then you express that thing most likely with your facial expressions which they pick up on completely and know exactly what you're saying. And then defensiveness, when your spouse comes up and says they want to address something and maybe they do it the wrong way, and you just have an argument for why that's not an issue. And then finally, stonewalling, where you're just like, hey, you know what? I can't take this engagement anymore. Kind of the stuff you're suggesting, Jeff, is that we stay engaged and you're just like, hey, you know, you put up the hand or you just kind of look into space and you don't engage at all and you want to run from the conversation. Yeah. And you know, the thing that we start to tell ourselves is that this is never going to change. This is just how it is. I can't talk about this and, totally. and look and look at all these perfect people and perfect marriages or perfect relationships that, that don't seem to have any trouble right now, which let's talk about what's in the news right now. What's in the news right now, everyone's watching Taylor Swift and Jason Kelsey, right? And in the news for many weeks now, every week, the NFL has loved to turn the camera on Taylor Swift in a box watching Jason Kelsey and the Kansas City Chiefs play. And every week, we're seeing this love affair, so to speak, played out on TV. And, you know, everyone can look at that and say, you know, look at what I'm missing. Look at what they've got that we don't we don't have. And then all of this comparison, which by the way, comparison is the enemy of joy. So the moment I start comparing, my joy just escapes me. And I need to be very conscious and very aware of it. But now that we're going to have to suffer through a Kansas City Chiefs game, Super Bowl game with Taylor <laughs> Swift <laughs> again, Probably Jason Kelsey's brother uh, with his shirt off again, we will see this and and then it's natural. It's natural for the comparison to start to show up. We have to, we have to put a block to that because 
all of that comparison, thinking that there's deficits, thinking about an ideal and the gap thinking of how come we're not getting to the ideal, leave us in a place where all those four horsemen, which are really you know, like wolves at my door that are ready to pounce on my marriage and the comparison game that can leave me in a place of which all of a sudden I'm thinking I'm missing something. And you know what? I'd just be happier if I found something else or left this, which is totally untrue. We have to have a tool to combat that. And that's what I want to get into with you today is to talk about how, how do we take this on and what does it look like? What's the practical way that, that we do it? Uh, I have to tell you that that what we're we're going to talk about in this this tool is which is called mutual learning. So I'm a student and have been a student of Roger Schwartz, Chris Giras, and some of these other guys that have been talking about you know how do we continue to work through difficult conversations, but to use them as a strength and not a weakness. And this takes a lot of practice. It it takes a lot of work. It's messy. So with Heather's permission, uh, she said that uh, I could talk about the fact that over the weekend, we had a a pretty good fight, not a fight with which one of us was going to win or that there was a sense of danger or someone was going to be injured. Although that's always a risk through these conversations, we had some disagreements. And a lot of those things were like, I don't know if you ever heard the Garth Brooks song, we bury the hatchet, but we leave the handle sticking out. There yes. were some some handles that were sticking out in the backyard. <laughs> and so we needed to talk about them because they were places with which, just what I was talking about earlier, this little jab, jab, jab. And then all of a sudden I've got these beliefs that are either untrue or not serving us and not making us strong. And so if we're really committed to strength, if we're really committed to our marriage and growing our marriage, that means that I'm going to need to walk into some conversations and enter them vulnerably with danger that may lead to the reflection being, I have found the enemy and it is me. It's not her, it's me and I need to change. And very often that's the case. And and in fact, I would say I want to change and I want her to want to change because we're going to grow and growth requires change. Growth says that I can't stay the same and expect that you're going to change to somehow conform to everything I need. And then all of a sudden it's going to be perfect. It just doesn't even work that way. But if we could be committed to some conversations, we could start to design, design some solutions together that would help us to grow together. It's so good that you're doing it. It'll be interesting to see your perspective of the process, but there's like this one thing that we talk about a lot in our practice and that, that, uh, you know, kind of from Brene Brown's perspective, you, you've shared this already. What is the story I'm telling myself? And that is such a great thing for our listeners to always ask the privilege of being a, a human and not an animal is you get to think about what you're thinking about. And so asking yourself that question and really understanding the answer, you know, this is all in your, your subconscious mind. You're not speaking it, but what, what is the story I'm telling myself about my spouse? And usually the, the challenge is if there's the information, this is what you're talking about, is that if there's information that's unknown, if there's things that we haven't discussed, then usually the story I'm telling myself is going to be negative about those things. The places I have no information about, I'm going to fill in the blank with something negative. And that's what I think this process is going to get at. 
Yeah, that's right. You can't help but finish stories in your head. It's a natural part of the scenario. And giving grace and rounding out that story in a way that's serving you. And that's the big question for the stories that we're telling ourselves: Is that story serving me? Is that story serving us? And most important, is it serving Christ? And so between those questions, if, if I can't come up with yeses, then we want to work through this and go through a process to strengthen our ability and get past that thing. Because whatever those issues are, what we have to understand as First John says, true love casts out all fear. So if, if we're going to be in a process of love, we're going to be in a process of growth. And we understand that growth is a process where we're going to be going up through Maslow's hierarchy, right? I'm going to be at first unconsciously incompetent. I didn't know it was an issue. Then I realize I'll be consciously incompetent and that I know I have an issue. I haven't done anything about it. I'm going to work too. And then I'll work at it. And that conscious competence that'll come as we've built a solution together in our marriage will mean you may have to remind me, or I may have to trigger some thoughts or make sure that I don't say. And then as I get that going and improve, I can get that into that unconscious competence that, that I'm, I'm just naturally, we're naturally together, like good dance partners, knowing what the steps are and making it more and more beautiful and strong in our, our marriage. Okay. I want to talk about the process itself. What does mutual learning look like? And I phrase this like this. I think there is a a beginning part where I need to mutually learn. We need to work towards mutual meaning and then mutual solution. At the beginning of any critical conversation, I need to be able to express what's going on in the inside. Here's how I want to do that. The process I use is called FBI and curiosity. In stage one, FBI and curiosity. What is FBI? FBI is feelings, behavior, and impact. And what I want to be able to express is these are my feelings. This is the behavior I've seen, and this is the impact it's having. Now, you don't have to do it in FBI order. Uh, You could do behavior, impact, feeling. It doesn't matter. But what I want to express is the feeling that I have is, and the behavior I've noticed is, and the impact it's having is. And then the curious question, FBI curious. Curious question is, what do you think about what I'm saying? Now, be careful with this question, right? Because we're not trying to patronize our partner. We aren't trying to lead the witness. We're not trying to win. We're trying to learn. And uh, we are going to win together or we're going to lose together. There won't be a, one of us winning and one of us, we're going to both win. We're going to both lose. So my curious question is, tell me something I don't know. What can I learn or what, what do you see about what I said? And that curiosity then allows for the examination because perhaps my feeling that's pretty legitimate. The behavior, I could have misunderstood that the impact, maybe there's something new that I need to see. And so as I'm really being curious, I'm also setting a stage for safety, love, making sure that she's protected and that she doesn't feel feel threatened. And so remembering in my communication, a very small percentage, studies show about 7% of the perception is the words I choose. And the rest is my body stature and the emotions 
in the way that I communicate. So I need to protect, I want to protect the environment. You know, in fact, let me add to this, and this is something that a, a friend, John Marsh, had suggested some time back to me, and that is don't do this battle in your bedroom or don't do this work in your bedroom. Let your right. bedroom be a protected space with which love, safety, and intimacy happens there. So if, if you're going to go go do this work, do it in a place where it's not going to leave a impression that's going to be associated with your bedroom, right? Let's get it out somewhere else where that, but still in safety, protection, making sure that her mindset here is going to allow you to express your feeling, the behavior you've seen, the impact, and then a curious question. Rob, does that first step in all of this make sense or are there missing pieces? That's a curi real curious question. No, that's that's really good. And I haven't heard the FBI before. So this is really powerful to talk about. The thing I would I know for Nancy and I, and the way we operate is if we're going to have a, an FBI type conversation, usually there has to be some sort of safe prompt to get to the space. So Nancy's the most direct in our relationship, you know, so she's prompting probably more, but she'll say, Hey, can we talk about X? And then the reason that's beautiful is that it gives permission for the person to say, no, not ready to talk about X. And then the response is from the other person, okay, how about we do that? You know, can we do that tomorrow at, you know, over coffee, just making it up. So that's awesome Great. because now I've, I've initiated, I've initiated that I want to have a conversation and I've made it safe for you by letting you choose the time in which we have it. Sometimes when you choose a time in the future, it's a little easier for someone to commit and then they're more likely to commit when we actually get to that time to have that conversation. Man, that's some great wisdom, Rob, because setting the scene for that helps them to feel that they weren't ambushed and that you didn't work a big case file that you're coming in with that they haven't done any prep for. And, exactly. and maybe they need to do a little bit of mental you know, thinking to say, if we're going to have this conversation, I want to make sure that, that I'm prepared for it. Now, hopefully we're nurturing relationships where it doesn't seem like, okay, get your lawyers ready or get your right. mental lawyer ready because I'm going to prosecute something with you right now. But that, I just love what you just said. That's a great starter to mutual learning before you jump into feeling behavior impact. Now, it depends on the criticality and you know how sensitive things are, right? If it's, if it's nuclear, you know, you want to set the scene and, and safety as much as possible. If it's casual and something that, hey, just notice this, then the regular practice of feeling behavior impact is going to actually become a strength point for you. So you don't wait for it. Hey, I noticed I was just feeling that right now. Is that true? And getting into the FBI curious, then we're mutually learning together. And, and it, it is a mindset that says, I don't know everything. I only know what I know. You know something. Let's learn together because we want to go to the next phase and that's to build mutual meaning. So if I have this learning and we, we understand each other, then I want to be able to build meaning with you. And if I'm building meaning, the first best practice the leader has always is to repeat what they heard. 
and it's it's a great way for you to double check that you've consumed the information right. So it looks like this. If I heard you right, what you said was, did I understand right? Is that right? Is that what you meant? And I'm I'm learning and staying in curiosity says, this is what I heard. Does this mean this? And we're going to work that together because quite possibly the filter of my ears and brain got to something that, no, 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 that's not what I meant at all. Or, well, you misheard that spot, or that sounds worse than I meant it. And so we're working on meaning together. And so once we've we've worked to the bottom of meaning, if I heard you right is, is that what you meant? Tell me more. What am I missing? And now we're starting to get to a place with which, and, and this this can be a short step or phase, or it can be a long phase because we need to peel the onion back to start to understand what the meaning of the data that we're exchanging is. Now, maybe one day, Rob, will go into the ladder of inference, but if uh, any of you want to go online and uh, I'll put it in the show notes, I'll put a link to the ladder of inference. This is a Chris Argyris tool that basically says, how do we build from data all the way up to our behaviors the process for building that. And what we say here in mutual meaning is that we're lowering our ladder. So what does that mean? It means that in this ladder, I'm going back down to the data source and trying to understand, did I miss information? Like there was data that was there that I just didn't have, or I miscalculated so that I could build new, new assumptions And with those new assumptions, build new meaning and work my way up to a new set of behaviors and mindset. So I'm lowering my ladder so that I can rebuild the information that I didn't have so we can build a solution, which is, which is the third phase. But before we go to that third phase, I think what we have to understand, and this is what Rob and I were talking about earlier when we said we have to manage the stories that we're telling ourselves, because I always think of the insurance adjuster, right? The insurance adjuster is the one who comes out to see the car accident or hear about the car accident. And that insurance adjuster gets three to five, how many different people that saw the accident and give a story about what happened. And those stories can be vastly different. Same incident. N number of stories that could come come out of that. Now, that's not to say that there's not a certain base set of truth, but there's lots of other data that can be around every situation. And so when I'm lowering my ladder to get mutual meaning, we're trying to get to a place where we can say, oh, yes, that's really what this means. This is what I meant. This is what this data or this information or the situation or this feeling means or this behavior that I've got is about or the impact. So now what I can do is we can be on the same page about what we believe about this together. It's so good. I love that. And and that's going to be in that conversation where you're managing the story and, and or actually beginning to see what the real pieces are. And then I would go back to prep on that is that you really have to manage the story you're telling yourself about your spouse all the time. It's, it's not a, it's not a part time. And, you know, it's interesting when you look at Jesus and it's in many ways, you know, the husband is the Jesus to the bride, which is, you know, the bride of Christ, Jesus, the story he was telling himself is that he said, uh, well, 
it's said about him, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So the story he's telling himself is that these people are precious. These people are my sons and daughters. These people are worth dying for. And so he's mitigating his story to literally be able to endure torture. And, and although sometimes marriage can feel like torture, we have to manage a story we're saying about our spouse. And to have the conversation you're talking about, Jeff, as we talk about in our practice, you have to have put in so much trust credits in advance of that conversation. So you're going to have to manage the story you're telling yourself. And then what I do is I try to think, well, why is she so amazing? And why did I marry her in the first place? <laughs> yes. <laughs> which, which leads to, you know, oh my gosh, you know, you're so beautiful today. Or, oh my gosh, I love the, what you just said. That makes me laugh. That reminds me of something in our past. And continuing the angle, my story, I'm responsible for the story I'm telling myself about Nancy. And I angle that story in the positive and I express in the positive to get the trust credits so we can actually get to this conversation you're talking about, which is going to require some pretty heavy lifting, some pretty vulnerable moments. It's not going to be an easy conversation. And that's okay. It's okay that it's not an easy conversation. It's going to be messy. In fact, so the fight that Heather and I had over the weekend, it carried over multiple days and we still had a great weekend. But what you have to understand is that like, there's going to be time limits that you may be in this meaning stage and you're going to have to stop because of time or maybe emotion. And Rob, your move right there is fantastic. Right. It, it's to, hey, let's pause this. But just so you know, like, I am so in love with you. Let me tell you, like, some of my favorite things about you, or to be thinking that or saying that, especially if their love language is uh, words of affirmation, then that's a great way for us to, hey, let's pause it. We're going to come back to it. You know, we'll, we'll carry on with this, but we're, we're putting a bow on it so that we can get there because if we rush it, there's a good chance that we didn't sew up some of these things. And some of them, by the way, that we were, we were hacking through, I was learning things about the start of our marriage that I did not even realize. Like I rewrote the whole story, literally Rob, of the first four years of our marriage that she reminded me of that we talk through. And as I was rebuilding this meaning and really this whole story that I had totally glossed over and forgot about the challenges that it gave me a new appreciation for God's grace and love through mm. moments with which we could have easily hit the eject button, easily said, sorry, you know, we tried. It's not going to work. Of course, we, we call it the D word. We don't ever use the D word, but in the early stages, there were some things and there were some handles sticking out from back in those days. And, and so it was a lot of unpacking that, that needed to get done. And so while you're in this, this mutual meaning building, don't rush past it, let it be messy. Understand that you may need to come in and out of it based on time, based on level of emotion, based on a need for, let me make sure I'm managing our hearts together and we're going to pause this, or we're going to pray, or we're going to go have sex or we're going to, you know, go out and have a nice meal and come back, you know, oscillating from so that we're not dug in on some linear process. Cause 
we're describing steps one, steps two, steps three, and we should be done in an hour. How come we're still here? It's messy, but we're committed to a process of mutual learning, mutual meaning. And then the step three is as we've built enough meaning together that we can say, yeah, okay, um, I can see that. I, I see this anew. The opportunity is to build a mutual solution. And this takes proposals. So what we could do is, or how about the next time or whenever I want, then make the proposal. What do you think would that work or what might be missing from that proposal? Right. And so, so all these steps have a set of information sharing and curiosity always. And we, we end with curiosity to continue the conversation because we're not trying to get into the bully pulpit of this is the way it's going to be. This is what it is, but rather still seeking, okay, I've got an idea, mutual solution. Do you think that's a good idea? Do you think that, that if I started doing this or you started saying this, or we started doing this together, that it would stem the problem that got us here in the, in the first place. And now we're, we're building a mutual solution together from there, which is something that we're going to be committed to. And it's still going through the Maslow's hierarchy, trying to work through a thinking about it, a commitment to it. Just because we may have found a perfect solution doesn't mean that it's implemented. So the beginning is here and we're just at the beginning of moving forward into something that we're going to see improve our marriage, but it's not done once we've got that solution agreed upon. No, it's back to your point. It's it's messy. You know, and marriage has got to, as an expectation, it's got to be messy. That's the expectation. If it goes really incredibly smooth, it's like a, oh my gosh, Jesus, Jesus showed right. up. But, you know, <laughs> other than that, I mean, it's going to be messy. And so we need to think about, as you're talking about these plans, our partner is not going to automatically be able to do those. We're not going to be able to automatically do those. You know, we're working through the through Maslow's, you know, hierarchy and we're going to have to become conscious first of that is wrong. And that doesn't mean we're actually going to do it right. And so there's got to be huge grace. You know, Nancy and I try to make fun of it and try to laugh at ourselves and try to make it light. And just being direct, you know, like, and just being direct. I think, I think that, that the challenge with most marriages is, and this is what, this is Nancy talking, I'm speaking for her, is that people are just not direct enough about what is going on. And if we would just speak up more, even if it's with grace or laughter or support or for putting in those trust credits, then the process is going to go much better. Yeah. I think, by the way, that's an American culture thing. This is, and by the way, you all who are listening would love for your opinions on this approach or what Absolutely. you think here, because my my opinion is that this is a North America thing. And whenever I lived, when I lived in Europe, I'm telling you, I never had problems knowing what everyone was thinking, because as soon as there was something wrong, people around me were like, problem, you're wrong. That's bad. <laughs> And no issue, no filter. And and I don't know if it's just American, actually, because I can remember being trying to get change implemented in Japan. And everyone is looking at me saying, hi, hi. And that is not, yes, I agree. That's just basically, I heard you, but you're an idiot. <laughs> and they're not necessarily telling you. And so you're right, right? The danger is, is that if we keep all that in and I don't have a place, a safe place 
And shouldn't marriage be this? I mean, shouldn't this be the place with which you trust me? I'm not only physically naked before you, I am like emotionally naked, spiritually. You can see my soul, what I really think. And that as I as I bear that together, and we're just saying this is this is how I feel, this is That's what good. I see, this is what's happening to me, then we can grow together. And this is this is what we're after today. And what we've wanted to to be about is to offer you a process for growth. Because all 10 of the areas that that we're working to balance, body, mind, soul, spirit, our marriage, our family, our career, our resources, Christ's body, the church, and those that don't know him yet, all of those areas need our ongoing sharpening growth. And and this is an area that even if it's at a good stage, it needs care and feeding for growth. It can't stay there. I I just, and Robin, I'm another real curious thought from you. I'd love to know what you think about this. I don't think that we can believe that it'll always just be good and stay the same. It's either, in my opinion, atrophy and it's, it's going backwards or it's growing. It's, it's not, it's not flatlining for long, at least. It's not. And, and I think is maybe it's an American culture thing. We try to, we try to be comfortable. Everybody, we need to be comfortable as kind of like the focus, you know, it's too hot. It's too cold. Let's, let's get comfortable. And that's the same thing we can do in our marriage is try to make it comfortable all the time. Comfortable is not necessarily healthy. And there's going to be a certain amount of discomfort to make things healthy, just like in the gym where you've got to, you've got to strain muscles and create pain in order to get gain in those muscles. The marriage requires investment and, and discomfort, discomforting conversations. So we can't expect that it's always going to be just absolutely perfect. And so when imperfect shows up, instead of being shocked, we dive in. The other thing I would just last thing that I would say that might be helpful to our listeners is that if you're, and this is kind of, you know, my thing and my dad had this, we, you know, you get angry, we get angry at our spouses. And it's really important to understand that anger is a secondary emotion. Mm. It's not the first one. The first one in a marriage typically will be hurt or, you know, some other emotion where we feel like we've been wronged then anger. So when you're angry, try to step back and express the thing that set the anger off. If you're a spouse that's that's really coming angry at the other person, it's going to be really hard for them to hear you. It's going to be really hard for them not, not to be defensive. If you're coming at them, hey, this really hurt, then their ears are going to open up much, much wider. And so just remembering that anger is a secondary emotion, asking yourself, what is the real emotion that triggered that anger will be very helpful for your conversation with her or him. Yeah. Hey, that's great stuff. Well, you know, I'm so grateful to be married to Heather and to have the partner that, that I've got and to still believe that there's more for us to grow through and from and to, and where are we going? And how can we be on purpose together? And, and that's what we're about. In Leveraging Success, we're working to find ways to take the good things that we've got in our career and the places where we've had the most success and see to it that those things translate to all aspects of our life so that we can be living for an eternal purpose. Today, what we've been after is helping you to strengthen 
your marriage relationship. And as I said earlier, these tools can be used in your business and in any relationship. But this one, most importantly, we wanted to go into an example of what does it take to mutually learn, then to create mutual meaning, and then mutual solution. In the show notes today, you're going to be able to see the Gottman Institute. We'll put a, a link so you can examine the four horsemen. I'll have in there Chris Argyris's uh, ladder um, of influence, and we'll have not ladder of influence, it's ladder of inference. I have the link to the ladder of inference you can get there. And you'll have that information as well as what I want you to know is that we've got more information in the show notes than you probably probably know. Every time that we put things uh, into our show notes, we not only have resources from this discussion, but also other resources with which to be able to interact with you. You know, we're so grateful that you join us every episode of Leveraging Success. We're really glad that you come in and spend time to listen here because we're on a journey with you. And we'd love for you to continue on that with us. So please follow this podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel so you don't miss an episode. And we love your feedback. So please make sure to leave us a review. You can also email us at host at leveragingsuccesspodcast.com to tell us what you think of the show, what you like, what you would like to hear more of, questions that you've got, and we'd be happy to address some of your questions live here on the show. Finally, in those show notes, I have a free offer for all of our listeners. In the show notes, you're going to find a link to a seven-part e-course that I've put together called Life Mastery. You'll be able to get on an email every day for a seven-day period with ideas on how to master life and how to have that total life balance we've been talking about here today. Now, if you'd like, you can go even further and watch our 30-minute webinar with which I'll explain to you what an incredibly impactful life looks like. And at the end of that, you're going to have an opportunity to sign up for some more time with me. Hey, these are the opportunities that uh, you have to interact with us. And we're very eager to do that, to hear your feedback, your questions, for you to use some of these tools. We're so glad that you've been with us today working less, making more, and taking that gain to be incredible and having an impactful life that's going to matter for eternity. I'm your host, Jeff Kierhart, here with Rob Dayton. Until next time, God bless you.